All right, welcome to the first episode of the uh, Jack of All Trades podcast. Um, David and um, my co-host here is Kaylin, and our producer is Sam. Um, I, I think I want to start off by saying how this kind of thing started. I think Sam called me a few weeks ago and uh, started giving me the idea of maybe starting a podcast with another guy um, about trading. And um, and I and so we started with that first, and I thought it'd be get, it'd be good to get like a third voice in here, which is Kalen's. Because Kalen's a day trader, and I'm an investor. And that third guy was uh, more of an options guy. But um, but Sam ran the idea to, to to that guy that we both know, and he um he didn't seem that interested. So, which was fine because at that point, me and Kalen would like we were like gung ho about this thing. So, I think yeah. uh yeah, I, the the ball was already rolling. Anyway, um, let's get started with Kalen. So you're a day trader. Yeah, I just uh, like I've been trading now for roughly four years. Um, and I just do like I still have a full time job and everything. So I just day trade like part time. Um, so like originally, like I know we, like, we started talking, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or so ago, just about trading and stuff all the time. Because like David and I first met because I was uh, doing one of my bodybuilding photo shoots. And it was right at the yeah. beginning of the year. I'd just done a 20-week prep, and then my show got canceled two days out. So I called uh, the owner of the gym that I go to, and he, he kind of hooked me up with David. So that's how we ended up meeting. And then I started seeing all his posts about trading and stuff in the uh, Instagram. So I started messaging him. We just kind of started bouncing ideas back and forth. So when he asked me to do the, uh, the podcast, I was like, you know, absolutely. That's just pretty much what we're always talking about anyways. Um, yeah, I think that's... Uh... How we I, I thought the name was pretty appropriate for us because originally it was jacks of all trades right but yeah but then i figured but, we're just a couple of meatheads so <laughs> jack of all trades, but, yeah but the reason was like because like we, we both of us we seem to wear like a bunch of different hats like you have two different jobs you do right mm -hmm. yeah then, yeah uh, like well, well there's just a lot of similarities right like i mean remember even when i was in uh i've been in like a couple chat services and stuff like that and like guys in those services used to even tell me they're like you know, man, if you're like, if you're a bodybuilder, like you're going to be a great trader because like it takes like the same kind of level of discipline and stuff. So that's why I think there's just kind of a lot of correlations between the two. We just thought the name was kind of appropriate. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, if you could stick to a diet, you could probably stick to some stops and so like, you <laughs> yeah. know, not, not cave. Yeah. Less likely to cave. Right. Yeah. You, you probably uh, just don't want to do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like I, I like again like when I you we started talking about trading because I started posting a lot about it in my stories, mm. and uh, and it was just um, I can't remember why I started doing it. I just I just wanted to share something different. But after a while, I started getting a lot of questions uh, from my friends uh, who wanted to get into trading and whatnot, and I started to realize that there's a lot of common questions they may have, mm -hmm. and I thought this would be why not start a platform where we could just answer it for them because. Because like we both know, there's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of scams out there, and like, yeah, so two guys that kind of learned it on their own. It's it's we're probably going to be way more relatable, way more honest about about trading and investing. Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of why I like the idea of doing it like where we're both at now. Because like you know, like I'm not doing it full time, but like I can still make money doing it and everything like that. And I haven't been doing it for 20 years, and I just I just found like as helpful as a lot of the services and stuff are out there. If you actually find the good ones, like. You know, it's like the fitness industry. There's so many scam artists out there. Where it's like, oh, you know, use these two easy steps and you're going to make $10,000 a week. Or, you know, you don't need to do cardio to lose weight. Like, just take this pill and eat these three foods. And it's, you know, there's so much of that stuff out there. So I just thought, that, like, you know, I'm at a point now where I've, I'm kind of still like in the learning process to, to a really good degree. So 
um, a lot of the stuff that, you know, some of the, some of the higher end guys might kind of breeze over and not really think is important. Like I remember watching their videos and thinking like, Oh, you know, what's he talking about? Or like, Oh, I missed that. And everybody else was kind of seeming to know what he already talked about, but there was just like, I still kind of knew the basics of what I was doing, but I just felt like there was a lot of stuff that was just kind of being breezed over that like, I would have liked to know, you know, two years ago. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of at a point where I want to try and, you know, help other people out and not breeze over that stuff and hopefully help people kind of find their own way and, and, uh, you know, be self-sufficient. Yeah. And I thought this was actually a really interesting time for, for the both of us to be starting the podcast with this conversation because you're just now getting into investing. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm getting more into day trading. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> right? literally so started like, long-term investing as of like a month ago and you just started day trading as of like a month ago. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been investing for eight years now right. and, but I didn't start day trading until like three and a half years ago. Okay. That was because of the first crypto craze, like 19, uh, 20, 2017, yeah, yeah, the crypto craze. So I'm like, you kind of have to day trade that stuff. <laughs> so, but it's helped like <clears throat> getting into day trading, having to learn the technicals. Cause like for the first five, six of the eight years, I didn't know squat about the technicals. Like I was just fundamental analysis, do my research, but I didn't know how to identify like what, what price points to buy, what prices to sell. Right. So, but, but getting into day trading, like help me, like kind of push me to learn the technicals and stuff. And it's really helped me with my uh, entries and exits. Yeah. Like just for people that don't know, like technical analysis is like chart patterns. Like, so you're not, you're not too focused on the company. You're just looking at the actual chart and figuring out like where your good entries and exits are going to be. And then fundamental analysis is, is the company side of things. So you're looking at, you know, balance sheets, the company's profitability, um, like all that, like, you know, the Warren Buffett kind of stuff, if you want to say it like that, just like what, how the company actually functions. So like if you combining the two of them, like day trading leans way more towards technicals because things are just happening so fast that you're, you know, I don't really care too much about what the company's doing. I just look at the chart <laughs> pattern and then <laughs> like, you know, if you're looking at investing over a decade, then, you know, technicals are a lot less important. But if you're doing kind of interim stuff like swing trading, which is, you know, anywhere from a couple days to a couple weeks to a couple months on a trade, then you really want to try and kind of combine both of those so you can make sure you're getting really good entries, you have good risk, so you're not, you know, risking too much of your money and you know where you want to sell as well. So that's kind of why like the two of us are hoping that we can kind of come together and and make the best of both worlds. Yeah. And um that's actually one of the reasons uh I originally wanted to start the podcast because I I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I find like people conflate trading, day trading or trading with investing and they are they're not their same thing at all yeah right like i i always laugh because like like you know my dad for example he's a big investor like he he doesn't like he thinks everything i do is gambling basically <laughs> but, but like he'll, <laughs> you know he'll he'll I'll, I'll make a trade or something like that and i'll send him one of my charts he goes oh what's the company and i'll say oh i'm not sure let me check <laughs> you know, i don't even know what the name of the company is right because it doesn't matter. what do they do don't yeah, care what do they do? no idea like you know, like, do you see this big red candle? Yeah. Like, that, that, that's why I'm in it. <laughs> well, sometimes it does matter, but I mean, most of the time it really isn't too much of an issue. You know, you just really quick look at the news and if there's nothing detrimental, then just play the play the price action, which is basically layman's terms for saying play. You know, if there's a lot of volume, a lot of people are looking at it and the stock's moving around, then it really doesn't matter, you know, what the, what the company's going to do, you know, what their long-term business plan is, because I'm only worried about what's happening in the next 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I, I want to ask you, though, would, would you agree that for anybody that's starting out, like clean slate, it's better to choose one or the other just to get a 
handle on it before switching. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I think like one of the biggest mistakes that even I made at the start um, is is, and I think a lot of people make this is just trying to do like way too many things at once. So like, especially like, I mean, you can touch on the the investing side of thing, but I know as far as like day trading goes, you know, like I I can set up a scanner in the morning and you know, 9.30 or whatever. And, and I'll have, you know, I'll have 50, 50 stocks on a really good day that are up over 15, 20% in the morning. So like, that's a lot of stuff that's moving, right? So if, you, if you're trying to do everything at once and you're trying to look at a million different things, like you're never going to be able to learn one, one pattern, but it's, it's tough because, you know, you're, you're excited and you want to make money and you're looking at all these different things happening mm -hmm. and you don't want to miss a play. And then you'll look back and you'll see this thing that just, you know, skyrocketed 500% you're, upset because you missed it, but it might not be like a very good setup, right? So it's it's just about like like my success really started to come when I just ignored everything else. Like I got out of all the chat rooms, I stopped listening to people on Twitter and I just started looking at charts and I would just find one specific chart and it would start moving and I would say, okay, I'm just gonna look at this one pattern for the next month. And I wouldn't touch anything else except for that one specific pattern until I nailed it. And then you move on to the next one and then you move on to the next one. And that's how you kind of Build your repertoire, but if you're trying to if you're trying to learn, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine things all at once, then I think it just becomes like it just becomes way too messy, and you can't like you you can't get great at one thing if you're trying to do a million things at once. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I when I first started trading crypto, I got balls deep in stuff like Ichimoku clouds, Elliott waves, like all these ridiculous chart indicators. Right. And I realized that when you have all of them on a chart, you don't really have any answers at all because they're might they, they might all be giving you different things. Right. Right. Um, and so I remember when I just got rid of all of that, my trading instantly started getting better. I'm just reading volume. I'm just reading RSI, maybe some candles, some traditional yeah. chart patterns. That's it. Yeah, exactly. So RSI, just relative strength index, which is basically just uh, like, how would you describe that? Just kind of how, how overtraded a stock is to a certain degree or? Yeah, it's got a range. I think it's like forty to seventy. Any if uh, any any stock that's trading within that range, it's considered uh, neutral. Anything go over the seventy is considered over overbought. Anything below forty is considered over um, oversold. So you want you're supposed to want to buy when things are oversold, and you're supposed to want to sell when things are overbought. I mean, right. it doesn't necessarily work that way, but it's 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 one of the many momentum indicators. It just kind of tells you what the, where the momentum of the of the of the asset is going. Right. So provided provided the stock obviously is has a good technical setup and you know the fundamentals are good. They haven't just filed for bankruptcy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's the thing that that I find like screws things up. Because we were just talking about this company that you're looking at, INDS, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like a, a wee company in California. You said they just took a giant nosedive, I think, early December. Yeah. Right. And you and I was saying like that's because yeah. um Gavin Newsom, the governor, put the put them on lockdown again early December. Right. So, but I, by no fault at own of the stock, like it just tanked, like God, from two dollars and thirty cents all the way to, to like a, a buck twenty, like yeah, almost fifty percent dip. Right, but that's not really something that's company related. So no, not at all. So it's yeah. like, yeah. So that's why I think it's great to be able to get both sides to kind of pay attention to the fundamental side, the news, and the um, the balance sheet. And how the company is actually doing, and then also the charts, mm -hmm. right? Because because if you're just looking at this chart and you didn't know anything about the company, you were like, "Holy, sh you know, crap!" A lot of people just sold off. Like, what's going on, right? It's kind of like. Right. But for me, I would be like, "Well, if it was uh, it was an overall thing where the governor shut the shut the shut the uh, state down and the and the um, and the asset dropped, 
that this is a buying opportunity because by, yeah. by no fault at own of the company they just dropped right right exactly right yeah so that's kind of the stuff that you want to look for as far as good entries and things like that go is you want to look for you know a good, a good spot to buy on the chart but you still want to have good fundamentals so you know you're not just getting wiped out right right and um by the way i'd never asked how did you get started in day trading it was because your dad was in investing and you just decided to kind of do the same and um no actually i was uh honestly i don't really have a specific like story per se but uh like i graduated for i graduated uh school for engineering and then um i started working for an engineering company and i was a i was a site inspector for for like subdivisions and stuff like that so like like you know some days i was super busy and like some days i just basically had to be on site in my car you know watching guys you know put catch basins in the ground or something because it was required by the client so you know i'd spend 10 hours a day just kind of sitting in my car wandering around like there wasn't a whole heck of a lot to do so you know i'd be like on my phone like looking around looking at like different ways to make money or something like while i was there and um I remember i started following a couple of guys that were that were trading and like you know when you're when i've never done it before you know i'm seeing these guys are like oh you know i made twenty thousand dollars today or you know i made fifty thousand dollars today and i'm looking at all these guys and i'm going like oh that sounds sounds pretty enticing <laughs> so i started like doing a little bit more research into it and then uh i uh i ended up like opening a quest trade account at the time and like you're gonna laugh but like when i when i first started trading i was like i was trying to day trade and um i literally like i didn't know anything like i you know i had nobody to teach me um like you know, there was, there was nobody I could really talk to about anything. So I, the way I started trading is like, I would literally sit there and I had a Seeking Alpha app on my phone. Uh -huh. I had the Quest Trade app on my phone. So I'd sit there and I would like, I would like scroll through news articles at like eight o'clock in the morning. And like, if I saw a news article that like I thought was good, you know, I didn't know anything about companies or news articles, like I had, I had zero knowledge. I'd look at it and be like, oh, you know, this company had a, a $10 million merger deal. I'd be like, oh, that sounds pretty good. So I'd I'd click on the company and it would say they're up like 20% pre-market and I'd be like, oh, okay, great. And then I'd wait for the open and I would just, you know, I would buy like, you know, 500 shares or something right at the open, like not even looking at the chart or anything. Cause I didn't even know, like, I didn't even know how to look at charts. Like I didn't even know how to, how to open them on my phone or anything. So I would just buy them. And then I would just like stare at my phone for 10 seconds, looking at the numbers. And sometimes the numbers would like spike up and I'd sell in like 15 seconds and make like 80 bucks or something. And sometimes <laughs> it would just crash and I would sell and I'd lose like a hundred bucks or something, something. So that was kind of how I started. And then I was like, okay, I feel like I'm missing something here. So I started, you know, I bought a few of those uh, like videos from guys that are, you know, like they have their 10 hour videos on how to trade and what to look for and, you know, how to read SEC filings and company news and all this kind of stuff. And just kind of started doing my own research. Uh, joined like a few chat rooms um, and just kind of tried to get a good handle on it. But uh, I found it really tough because I uh, like the first, when I first opened my first account, I, I think it was like a $3,000 account and I needed to have, I think at the time in Quest Trade, I needed to have like, like 1500 or something to keep the account open. So I ended up dropping below that within the first like month. And then I put a couple more thousand bucks in it, and then I dropped back down again, put another couple thousand in. So like the first year I ended up going through probably like 10 grand or something just in losses because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then um, I was uh, I was just going through all these chat rooms and like I was kind of seeing like it was just kind of giving me an idea of like how different people trade. Like, you know, there's some guys that like shorting first thing in the morning. There's some guys that like, you know, shorting these big parabolic moves. And like from what I was seeing, like all the guys that I was following on Twitter that were making like really big money, they all seemed to be like short sellers. Like that was, that was like, like nobody was really buying stuff to go long. I didn't really see a lot of guys that were making a ton of money doing that. 
So I was like, okay, like, I guess, you know, I guess I need to short, like that's, that's the way you make money. Right. Um, so anybody that doesn't know what short selling is, it's basically like, um, you're, you're buying, you're borrowing shares from your broker. So like, let's say, you know, let's say you have a quest trade account, um, and the stock is, you know, Apple, for example, um, I, I, I would borrow say, you know, a hundred shares from my broker and then I would sell them to the market. And then I'm expecting the stock to go down so I can buy them back and then essentially give them back to the broker. So it's just the opposite of, of going long instead of buy low, sell high, or you're, you're selling high on shares you don't own, buying them back lower. Um, and then depending on how available the shares are, you might have to pay a fee. So they might charge you, you know, a cent or two a share or whatever. Um, but we'll get into all that in more detail later on. Um, but essentially I just started looking at going short and I, I found a few patterns that I kind of, that I was kind of like, you know, like narrowing in on and starting to get a little bit of a feel for it. But like most of them were on really like low float stocks, meaning like basically garbage companies that nobody hears about. You know, they come out with some stupid press release, the stock spikes up and then it crashes back down to nothing and everything's over in a couple hours. Um, but those seem to be the best plays and the ones that I was actually understanding. But um, with Quest Trade, I could never get any shares because they didn't have anything available. So it just it just drove me nuts because I could never actually do these plays that I was sort of understanding. Um, so I like looked around and I didn't have enough money to get a good broker. Like I looked at Centerpoint um, to try and get like shares to short and stuff. And it just, I just didn't have enough money at the time. Um, so I ended up, you know, kind of looking at plays the long and all this kind of stuff and went through a few different services. And then I just kind of found myself spinning my wheels. So like after a while, um, I essentially just like shut off all the noise and I was like, okay, I just need to figure out you know, like what's going to work for me. Cause at this point, at this point, I kind of understood how markets moved, you know, I kind of knew where to find information, you know, I knew generally what to look for. So I was like, okay, I think it's just, you know, it's just a matter of, of finding specific setups that work for me. And then that's when I really started to make like, you know, a million spreadsheets. Like I, I literally have like hundreds of Excel spreadsheets on my computer tracking different patterns and companies and all kinds of stuff until I could really narrow in on, on plays that would work. And then like, if I found a play that was, you know, that I knew it was going to work like 80% of the time under this specific criteria. And I knew that the reward was always like, say, three to one or four to one for reward to risk. Then those were the kind of plays that I would look at. And then I just really narrowed in my focus and then just kind of branched off from there. Um, but, you know, there's like working full time and trading, there's a lot of restrictions because like I can't sit at my computer all day, obviously. So I kind of have to find things that are like, specific times a day when I know I have slow times at work and I can pop on the computer for a second or, you know, stuff I can do like overnight, like stuff that, you know, I could, I could buy at the close and sell at a gap up or things like that. So there's just, there's a lot of restrictions that I was trying to work around, which made it like trickier, but uh, like the, the biggest, the biggest uh, progress for me came when I just basically just, I, I'd gotten all the general knowledge and then I just shut all that off and just didn't listen to anybody people, if I saw someone post like, oh, this stock's flying, like, check this out. I wouldn't even look at it because like, I don't care. I'm, I, I have my couple I'm looking at and that's all I'm worried about. Yeah. And that's when yeah. I really seem to get a lot better. So. Yeah, I think shutting down out the noise is like huge. Because um, like, I, I, I never started with the chat rooms. I, I always had like a bad impression about the chat rooms. Are. I thought a lot of them were like pumping dumps. You know, mm -hmm. they're just trying to get a bunch of guys to buy up a stock and then dump it. And just, it was kind of like a pyramid, like whoever got out first <laughs> made money and everybody else got scammed. Yeah, so that's why I never got into the chat room. So when I started investing, I was like, let me just shut everything off and let me form my own opinion. And then when I when I'm feeling solid about my own opinion, let me compare it to what the major news outlets or the analysts are saying. And let's let's see what the differences are. 
Um, I think that's why I, I got into investing first because it was a lot slower. Because like what you just described was like a hectic, a really hectic day for me, right. right? So I like to just like sit back, you know, stew on some ideas and some research, and whether it takes me a day or a week to decide, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like timing timing's not a big deal at all. So like that's what I like to do. That's that's why I got into investing. Um, I don't know if I told you, but it was like back in um. I had an, I, I used to be a manager at Brinks, okay. uh, the armored truck company. And then, so they had, you know, that one of those programs where it's like, you, if you contribute a dollar to your mutual fund or whatever, they'll, they'll match the dollar. So I was there for a few years. When I left, I had like just over, just under 7,000, just over 7,000 with them. And I was looking at the performance. It was just dog shit. It was like one, one year be up a percent, the next year be down 2%. And, and this was a high risk fund too, right? So I'm like, what kind of freaking gains are these, right? So I was like, when I left, they're like, you want to take this money with you? I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm like, if I'm going to lose my, like, if someone's going to lose my money, it's going to be me, not you. It's going to be me. Right. So I can, you know, I could do this just as well. So <clears throat> I opened up a TD uh, RSP account. Um, so that's a registered savings plan account, but, but um, we could trade stocks in it. And so I have a hundred percent control in it. So I, so I opened that up and I just started investing. Uh, first thing I dumped my, my money into was Apple. Because um, I, I, I don't I can't remember how I got onto this book, but I got Warren Buffett's biography. It's called The Snowball. And that was like the foundation for everything that I learned uh, in terms of investing early on. Um, and basically his his main his main point in that book was like um, everybody has what he calls a circle of confidence. But it doesn't matter who you are, what your education level is. There's something, you know, that's going to be more than somebody else, whether it's from profession or just interest, whatever. Right. And I, I was just a tech guy, so I, I knew I knew tech. So I was like, let's let's uh, let's invest in Apple because I still see them at the time. They're still like the leader in smartphones. Right, yeah. Android wasn't that popular, so I'm like, let's put some money in there. <clears throat> and then um, and then my first three stocks was was Apple, Tesla, and Facebook. And I only got in on Facebook because they just IPO'd. Okay. And I remember I remember the IPO at the IPO at 25 bucks. They dropped to like 12 bucks within a month. And I freaked out and I sold. So, so this was a very important lesson to me, though. I, like, I'll pay that. I'll pay that loss every time to learn that kind of lesson. Basically, there's a thing called a lockup period. When when companies IPO, there's a period where the original investors cannot sell their shares, and you have to find out when that lockup period was. So, right when their shares tanked from 25 to 12 was when the lockup was over. Like all the original investors, like we're dumping it. Right. So I didn't know that. So it was an important lesson to learn. So all you all you guys out there thinking of investing in like Snowflake or like, no, no, Airbnb was the, was the new ones, DoorDash and Airbnb. There's a lockup period that, that those stocks are going to tank <laughs> very, very soon. So. So, yeah. yeah, that was like one of the big lessons I learned. Um, yeah. So that's basically how I got started. I remember I was putting in like two grand a year every year for the first three years. So I, I put in about 14,000 total uh, between 2012 and 2016, I think. OK. But by the time I got to 2016, I'd already was making, it was, I think I had 250% the account. So two, almost two and a half X the account. I was like, well, at this point, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to start. I didn't want to put any more money into it that I didn't have to. Cause like I just started my photography business and everything. So every, every dollar counted. Mm -hmm. And I was like, at this point, if I could grow two and a half X, not, not knowing that much, like maybe maybe I could just continue, continue on getting, refining my technique and, and doing that. So, and yeah, that, that I, so basically I've, for those that don't know, like the S&P 500 is like the benchmark top 500 companies in the world. 
performing and um, they grow at annual annual rate of seven to 10%. This has been true for like the last 30 years. So it's a benchmark for all um, fund managers, traders to kind of like compare their performance to. And I've for the and since 2012 to 2018, I've been able to beat the S&P every year. So that for me was like saying I, I either either I'm really stupid lucky, which may be true, or or I was doing something right. Yeah, it's hard so, to get lucky for that many years in a row. <laughs> well, that's, that's what the hope is, right? <laughs> that's what the hope was. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I, th I think everybody has one of those like big loss stories that kind of shocks them into learning. I remember, I remember mine vividly. It was, I think it was still the first year I was trading. It was TOPS was the ticker and it was, uh, it was like all the shipping companies. Like at that point, you guys can go back and look at the charts from 2016, 2017 or whatever it is. But um, it was, it was TOPS. And I remember it was like, it was like three days in a row where it had, I want to say it was around like 50 cents or something like that. And like it shot way up the first day. So, you know, this was back when I was still just trading on my phone and have charts or anything. So I bought a whole bunch of shares the next day at the open because everyone was talking about it. And then like spiked up, I made like a hundred bucks, sold it really quick. Next day did the same thing, spiked up, you know, made like 80 bucks or something, sold it really quick. I was like, oh, this is great. This thing's just, you know, this thing's just going to go to a hundred dollars. I'll just do this every day and I'll be set. And then the third day it had gone up, it was, it would have gone up from like 50 cents or whatever it was. And it was up to like $3. So it opened at $3. And like, I was just watching it right at the open. It was like three. And then I saw the numbers. It was like three, 323, 340. It was just spiking really fast. So I was like, oh, it's going to be another big move. So I, I, I bought like 300 shares at 350, which was the exact top. And then it just crashed like literally in probably about like two or three seconds. It went from 350 down to like, I don't know, like 240 or something like that. So I just lost all this money and then I sold it. And like, by the time it actually got me out of the thing, I was down like, I lost like $390 or something like that. And it just like, I was just like so devastated because I like I was so excited the past like the past few days I was making money every day and then I just lost like you know two and a half times that much in like literally three seconds. So that yeah, was, was kind of like that was like the wake up. I never never forget that. You know, it's only it was only like four hundred bucks, but like at the time I had you know I had no money in savings. Like I just had barely had enough money in my trading account, and uh, that that's something that I'll I'll always remember is is the thing I learned from that is risk management. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure I always though. know always know how much I'm gonna lose before I go into a trade. That's rule number one. Yeah, like it's not even the dollar value that you lost. It's more like the gut punch of like like grinding it out for days and weeks to put that money together than losing it in like one freaking yeah, step. Second. Yeah, because that's you know the, the time that was like three days pay, right? And I just lost <laughs> yeah. two seconds. Like <laughs> it was awful. So that was uh, that's why my rule number one is always risk management. Like before I go into any trade, I know exactly how much money I'm going to lose because I know right where my cutoff point is. So if I'm not okay with that number, then I, I'll trade less shares. So you said um, you trade with Quest Trade. Um, I did. So I, I use Interactive Brokers now. Um, I have two accounts. So I have a Quest Trade account and I have Interactive Brokers. So I use Interactive Brokers for my day trading. And then I use Quest Trade for my like long-term investing and like swing trading and stuff like that. Um, the reason is I use like I just like to keep them separate. Um, but the nice thing now about having two brokers is like I can get uh, when I'm trying to short stuff because I'm just getting a lot more into that now. Is I can I can get more shares usually because I have two different brokers. Um, but Interactive Brokers is great for for day trading because they have the lowest commissions. So like they're only they're only one cent a share. 
And realistically, like when you, you know, if you're, if you're starting out learning how to trade, I mean, like, you know, you're like, you're, you're trying to make like 10 bucks or, or 20 bucks a trade. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's good. Like if, as long as you're green, like, you know, like when I, when I first started and first tried, started trying to be profitable, like, you know, if I made $7, if I made $8, like I was happy, like, cause I, you know, I was right. I had the right idea. Um, but a lot of brokers are, are, you know, five or $10 minimum per trade. So, you know, if you're just going into something, you don't know what you're doing and, you know, you got a broker that's $10 in $10 out every time you make a trade, you know, you have to make $20 minimum, otherwise you're lost. So if you're going to go into a trade and you're going to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to risk $10 on this trade, you're actually risking $30 because you got to pay that commission, right? Whereas on interactive brokers, you know, you can risk $10 and trade a hundred shares and it's only a dollar and a dollar out because they charge you a cent per share. Right. And there's so that, these other platforms now like Robinhood and Wealth Simple, they're like free trading, right? Yeah, I've never looked into those because I don't know. Any anything that's free, like it can't be that good of an interface. And I've seen people posting about how it's like 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 all it froze or it keeps kicking me off. Like and like <laughs> well, that's my experience with T D. Yeah, like it doesn't make sense that to me to have a free broker and it's actually gonna be good. So I you know, I don't I don't mind paying a couple bucks a a trade to, to have a good a good reputable platform. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know how that works because I've, I've actually been looking at, I, I kind of want to go to internet brokers. I've, I've only ever traded with TD and it's just because my, all my accounts, everything's with them. So it's just easy to set up and, and move my yeah. money back and forth. But lately I started to realize like, because my account's pretty decent size now. And when I'm getting in and out of a position, it's not like TD, first of all, they charge the most for fees. Like I, I got nine, I get ding 10 bucks every time I do a trade. Yeah. Right. But, but at this level, that's not the problem. The problem is they're skimming off the top uh, in terms of um, uh, conversion rates. So I, I never looked too closely until recently because I'm moving some bigger, bigger numbers and they're eating about 3%. They're skimming 3% off uh, really? every time. So every time I'm buying something American, yeah, every time I buy something American, their convergence rates are about 30%. Um, every time I'm selling, it's only, it suddenly it's down to like uh, 27 or 28. Hmm. So they're always making that difference. And it's like, well, if, if I just made a 10% move on this trade and you're taking 3% of it on this yeah. fucking conversion, then it's like, you just eat my lunch. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, yeah. so that's, so yeah, I'm looking at going to the internet. Yeah, you just yeah, got from whatever, whatever, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, that, that's why I was looking at international brokers. I was looking at Wealthsimple, um, Thinkorswim, and uh, Interactive Brokers. And think or swim. I thought I don't think they're available in Canada, which is the only problem. I think they used to be, but they're not anymore. Like the the best ones that I hear for, um, like there, there's not really any spectacular brokers that I'm aware of. Anyway, I mean, if if somebody knows one that's really good, then by all means let us know. But uh, like Quest Trade is is Quest Trade is good for Canadian, but like like I said, the fees are expensive. So I use that for swing trades. You know, if I'm if I'm trading a lot of shares and you know I'm I'm swinging it over a couple of weeks or a month or I'm just buying it for dividends and I'm going to hold it for the rest of my life. I'll use Quest Trade. Um, but uh, Interactive Brokers is, is the day trading one that I use. So I, like Interactive Brokers, Thinkorswim and E-Trade, I think are the top three that I've heard the best things about. Um, okay. I've only used Interactive Brokers, but I know E-Trade is like really, like really one of the top ones as well, just for simplicity and uh, you know, having shares available for shorting, low fees, all that kind of stuff. Is, that's another good one. Um, but even, even on those, I think there's still some features that aren't available in Canada because I know for, for interactive brokers, it kind of sucks because, um, when, like when you're trying to short, when you're trying to short a, a stock, like if, if it is a, 
you know, kind of like a junk stock, like a low float, meaning there's not a lot of shares available for trading. Um, they'll, the broker will have a certain amount of shares. Like let's say, let's say that the stock has 10 million shares that are available for trading. The broker might have say, you know, interactive brokers might say have 200,000, for example, shares available to be used to short. So they'll go pretty quick. Like if there's a big play, like people will, you know, people wake up at 4 a.m. and they'll grab those shares really fast so that they have them to trade for the day. But if you want to get, um, if you still want some defined shares, then there's there's a there's a spreadsheet that they have in the program where you can go through and and they'll 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 borrow them from other brokers. So interactive brokers can borrow, borrow shares from like say E-Trade or Thinkorswim or whatever, but then you have to pay a fee for it. So like they might they might charge you you know two cents a share. So you know, I could I could borrow 500 shares um, for two cents a share just to have them, but whether I use them or not, I still have to pay that fee. Um, but that's not available in Canada. So unless there's the free shares available in interactive brokers, I can't get them to find me shares, which is kind of a like which is really inconvenient for you know for trying to short stuff. Yeah. See what the, the reason they came on my radar was because because so I have two trading accounts. It's a TSFA that I opened this year and the RSP account that I've had for like the last eight years. Yeah. And um, I, I saw that interactive brokers had uh, offered those accounts, too. And it, it was like a small fee of like 100 bucks or 200 bucks to move the accounts over. So okay. that's why. So that's why I was looking at them. But I don't know. Something is I just don't feel I just don't feel comfortable moving that amount of money over from like you know, to a broker from a, like a banking institution to a broker. That's, it's probably just all in my head, but it just, you know what I mean? It's a little, little bit of a barrier there. Well, I mean, like, you know, I know, I know guys that have billions of dollars in their interactive brokers account. Yeah, right. Okay. That's, <laughs> they, they've been around forever. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it, but like anytime, like even when I open a new broker, like what I always do is I'll, I'll transfer like a hundred dollars in just to make sure everything's <laughs> like linked up properly. And then I'll transfer the rest of it. in. so like, if you, guys, if you guys are trying to open, like, you know, anybody that's listening, if you're trying to open an account and like you're, you're trying to think of, you know, just how to get going in trading, I, I would like if you're, if you're planning on investing um, or day trading, I would, I think, uh, I think interactive brokers would probably be the best bet just because it, ha it does have the cheapest fees. And like, it's super easy to open. You literally just go on their website and, you know, you need your, your social insurance number and like your, your driver's license. They need a couple other pieces of ID and then like you can have account up and running in like three days and then I'm not sure what the funding is because I opened mine so long ago but it's usually like two or three thousand bucks I think that you got to put in it to be able to trade um, but it just links to your bank account so interactive brokers I, I go on like the actual interactive brokers program and I have it linked to my bank account so if I want to put money in or take money out I do that through interactive brokers and I can just you know go down to the, the menu and hit fund account and it'll just it'll say my you know my bank account number and it'll just pull it straight in. Whereas on uh, on Quest Trade, it's uh, it's set up like a like a credit card. So if I want to put money into Quest Trade, then I go on my banking information and it's like it, I have like you know Visa, American Express, Quest Trade, and then I can hit like pay bill, you know however much money to fund it. So that's that's how Quest Trade works. It's not a direct link. It's more like a credit card. So actually, I was going to ask that because I wanted to know how instant it was to move money. Uh, from your bank account to like interactive brokers it's it's three business days usually some like i've had it i've had to do it the next day for whatever reason but usually it's three business days <clears throat> like in or out in or out. so still a little bit bit of a delay yeah yeah it's pretty you know, good but I, I should yeah i should look into it but, so but the, the other thing that that stopped me from looking into it is have you have you used their phone app 
Uh, interactive brokers? Yeah. Not really. I mean, like, if I have a trade on, like, I'll go in there if, like, something catastrophic happens and I need to sell really quick. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm, I never, ever trade for my phone. Like, I always have, I, I won't trade unless I'm at a computer. Yeah, because I, I do most of my stuff on my phone now, and I saw the reviews for inactive brokers, and it wasn't that good. Oh, yeah? They, they still have a good chart and everything. Like, if you flip your phone sideways, like, it'll show you the, the candlestick chart and everything. And Right, right. It's it's easy enough to use. I mean, I haven't had any issues with it, but I don't like I, I don't have any experience with any other, other any other phone apps really. So I couldn't really speak. That, that, that. See, that's why I was looking at Wealth Simple because apparently their their app is one of the highest rated ones. And I saw the the UI. It's like very it's very nice looking. But then I asked around uh, to a few friends of mine that use it. And they're like they're very restrictive with what you could invest in. Like only certain stocks or certain uh, markets. Hmm. Um, it, yeah, I don't know why they have the weird restriction, but. But they're one of the ones that offers free trading. Okay, so I'm I'm curious about your TFSA though, because like like maybe you can explain a little bit about that because that you said there's no tax or anything on that though, right? Even though there's like higher fees, so uh, that, that that might be something like if people are looking at like long term investing, I think that might be the best bet then because you don't have to pay taxes on your profits. Yeah, so for like the longest time, I was just trading my uh, RSP account because that's where I had the most money. And that's where I started with, and then uh, the market crashed and. March. So in April, I decided to open up a TSFA. So I was like, well, I have a few thousand dollars. Why don't I put some in there and do a little trading? Because I've, I've known about it for a while. I've just been too lazy. Honestly, it's, it's my fault. I've just been too lazy to open one up. Yeah. But, but, it's, but it's basically a tax-free account. Like they, Canada's upping the amount that you could contribute next year to 6000 but previously it was $5,000 a year. So basically from the year that the program started, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2013 or something like that. You could contribute. You have room to contribute five thousand dollars a year so for us now there's probably room for almost seventy thousand dollars to put to put in there at one time okay and um so let's say you put in the full 70 and you start trading for the next 12 months right and you get a 30 percent return on that that's not tax you don't you don't pay any capital gains tax you don't pay anything so you can put that right into your bank account with no taxes yeah that's right that's right <clears throat> yeah so that's really good for investing then yeah I they, think they, they, have, they have it's ten dollars in ten dollars out for any trade though you said for TD. Okay. So I'm wondering if international or interactive brokers has a different fee set. The TD is just straight up 10 bucks no matter what happens. Yeah, That's but if it's, if it's interactive brokers, you have to pay for your profits though, right? Like I have to, like oh. you, have, you have to pay taxes. Like Quest Trade and interactive brokers, you have to pay taxes on. But, but, on your, but, but you have a margin account, right? A regular trading account. Yeah, I have a margin. Open, right, so if you open up a TSFA, I, I, the, the rules are different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, I just have a margin account because my like I, you know I don't I don't want to be paying those kind of commissions for day trading. So yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah. So like that's why I did the TSFA. I mean, I'm I'm up like sixty something percent for the year. I actually took some money out um, uh, just before Christmas. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like um, yeah, it's uh, no tax, no nothing. Yeah. So if you're thinking, like if anyone's thinking about buying like for dividend payments or just for like you know something they're going to hold for 10, 20 years, and that would be the best bet because you can make you know, you could double your money. You don't have to pay any profits on it. You get your, you know, your every three months or whatever, you get your dividend payments. You don't have to pay taxes on that either. Yeah, they're just kind of restrictive with what you can play. Like, I don't, you can't play with options. You can't, you can't short. It's just going long on stocks. Maybe some. But you can play, you can play any stocks though, or they restrict you what you can, what you can trade. Uh, anything on TSX, um, or any, yeah, anything in the Canadian market, the American market, I haven't had a problem with. Okay. I, I haven't, I haven't tried OTC, but I know they list some OTC stuff too. 
Oh, really? I haven't yeah. looked at OTCs season years. I miss those, man. Yeah. <laughs> OTCs were so easy to play. <laughs> scared the crap out of me, man. Oh, they were so easy to play, man. Like I, I was making money on OTCs in my first like two months of trading, and then they just withered away and just kind of disappeared into nothing. I had to learn how to play all the listed stocks, and that's when I started losing money for two and a half years. <laughs> I, so you, I remember you mentioned to me like you, you were so you've been trading for like four years, but you only started breaking even or making money this year. Yeah, so I, I traded my first year. I probably lost about like maybe I don't know eight to ten thousand. My second year, I probably lost like maybe two two thousand twenty five hundred. Um, going into my third year, I was break even for like six months, and then now I've been pretty pretty profitable since then. So it's been like kind of a, a I'm on the upswing now. <laughs> you said the turning point was when you basically shut off all the the chat rooms. Yeah. Exactly. The turning point for me was when I just kind of like focused on myself and stopped trying to learn what other people were doing and just figured out what yeah. worked for me. Cause like, especially when it comes to day trading, like investing is one thing. I mean, you know, you can have a, you know, you can have a good investment advisor or, you know, you know, just put your money in Apple or Microsoft. I mean, you, you know, you're pretty safe, but like whenever I heard about guys like, Oh yeah, you know, you like, you know, at the time I'm, you know, I just bought a house. I got no money. Like, okay, so I'm going to put my, I'm going to throw 3000 bucks into Apple and I'm going to make, I don't know, 80 bucks for the year. Like that's useless. Like, what the, you know, that's, that's a waste of time. So like, I'm like, I want 80 bucks now. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's why day trading was a lot more lucrative. Cause I'm, I'm looking at these guys making, you know, 20% in 10 minutes. Whereas guys that make, you know, 7% on the whole year, I think it's a great year if you're long-term investing. So it just kind of didn't really make sense to me at the time. I mean, you know, yeah, granted, I, <laughs> granted, if I had like a hundred million dollars, then sure, you know, I'll throw it into a long-term investment and just let it grow. That's pretty low stress, easy income. But for <laughs> someone that doesn't have a lot of money, it doesn't really benefit you, right? Um, yeah, that, that was the problem with investing when I first started, like seven, you're right, 7% is a good year. <laughs> seven to 10%, you're like, oh man, it's been a good year. The yeah. problem is like, if you start with a couple thousand dollars, like how many decades is it gonna take for you to yeah, make them? Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a waste of money, right? It's just a waste of time. So, like, that's why I figured that would be a better a better option. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's 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 definitely like a long road. Like, I, I've read like some I read a lot of books and stuff, and the ones that I like the most are are like all the interview books. Like, I read um, uh, Momo Traders is a good one. It's um, I forget who wrote it, but it's it's about like a lot of guys like from nowadays that that are like you know pretty successful day traders. Um, and then there's another one I'm, I'm in the middle of reading right now. It's called Market Wizards. And it's basically like all the guys from like back in the 60s, 70s and 80s, like all the big traders from them. And it's just like the way they're written, it's just like interviews, like, you know, just asking questions. How'd you get started? Like the same kind of thing we're doing on this podcast for the first episode. And um, it's just really interesting. But like the, the pretty common theme for anybody who's like short term trading, you know, swing trading, day trading, like is from the 60s up until now is like the average time span for people to become consistently profitable is anywhere from like two to four years. And like some of the guys I've seen on there, like I remember reading about one guy who's worth like over a hundred million or something now. And he said it took him, it took him eight years before he started actually consistently making money. Like he was just losing constantly. He could never figure it out. And then finally something clicked and he got it. But like, that's, that's, that's kind of the hardest part is just, is, you know, like you, you got to go into it realizing that like, you know, the market's, don't care about you. They're not going to be friendly. Like you're not going to make money. You might like, like I, I know, I know buddies who, you know, they, they bought something and they made a thousand bucks in a week and then they've never been able to make money since. Or, you know, you hear stories of guys on wall street who made, you know, a million and a half dollars in their first year of trading. And then they went bankrupt and they could never make another penny. And now they're, 
you know, working at like Walmart or something like that. Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a long road and it's, it's easily the hardest thing I've ever had to do because it's such a mental, it just screws with your head so much. Cause you, you know, the, the emotional highs and lows are like nothing that you'll ever experience. But once you can kind of get a handle on that and really focus in on your process, then it becomes a lot easier, but it's still like, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's still just like a game of odds. It's, it's just educated gambling basically. And like, even, even a lot of the patterns that I'll play now, like if you, you know, like when I set up a spreadsheet for a pattern I'm tracking, let's say, you know, I, I find a stock where it's like, okay, like 80% of the time under these parameters, like this thing is going to work for me and I'm going to make money on it. Well, the reality is I could play that pattern every single day for three weeks and it could not work every single time. And then it could work every single time for the next six weeks, right? It's not like, it's not like I'm going to play it eight times and make money and then I'm going to lose twice. And I'm going to play it eight times and make money and then I'm going to lose twice. Like I could lose for a month straight and then I could make money for three months straight on that one pattern and not have a single loss. Like it, it's just, it's not like, it's not that cut and dry. So like the hardest part is really trusting yourself once you find those patterns and, and, you know, believing that they are going to work even when, when things aren't going well. And if they aren't going well for a long enough period of time, then maybe the pattern's not working because the markets have changed and then you got to adjust everything. So. Yeah, I think the most common reason that people continuously lose money in the markets is that they freak out, mm -hmm. right? Because you're not, <clears throat> you just, you just, you have to build a scab to like the emotional part of it where you just don't care anywhere, you don't feel it anymore, right? Right. Where, like if you see something that's tanking, you, you, if you, if you're not that experienced, you're, you might be inclined to sell. But then if you're really experienced, you're like, well, I've seen that before. I, I know, you know, where the supports are. When those break, maybe I'll freak out. But, until it hits there, I'm just going to calm down, right? So a lot of people get out too early and then, um, you know, don't stay in long enough. I think those are the, probably the two common reasons that people lose money trading. Yeah, yeah. Like the biggest, like, I mean, I don't know what your, what your kind of go-to rules are, but like for me, it's always like risk is number one, like always know when to cut your losses. So like anytime I go into a trade, I know, I know exactly, I know what the number is. So if it's, you know, if I'm risking 10 cents on a position, then I'll figure out how many shares I'm going to use. Like, let's say, you know, I want to risk $20 for argument's sake on this position. Like, I'm not going to buy any more than 200 shares because I don't want to, if it goes down to here, then the trade's over and then I'll cut it for 20 bucks. But like, I'm planning on making a hundred, right? So like, I can play that, you know, five times and, and lose. And then if I play it, you know, another couple of times then I'm going to make money. So it's, it's just a matter of knowing, knowing when to cut because as soon as, you know, you can win and win and win and win like a couple bucks here and there over and over and over again, but then you get wiped right out by one big loss easily. Well, <laughs> well, we were just, we were just talking about that. I think it was yesterday, like, or maybe two days ago, I thought I was, I'm trading Bitcoin futures. Yeah. I'm looking at the chart. I'm like, this fucking thing looks overextended. Like it's got to pull back just a little. So I got into a short yeah. position and then. I remember I talked to you the day after. I'm like, I'm getting out, man. It's not looking yeah, good. $5,000. <laughs> yeah. I think that was just before it hit 29000 Now it's up to like 33000 It was 34000 Like if I yeah. stayed in that position, I'd been like, that would have been bad news. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, yeah. So I ended up taking like $120 loss on that position. But after it pulled back a little, I went long and I actually ended up making another 200 something dollars. So yeah. it evened out a little. I don't, I don't feel so, so, so hurt anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as you're not trying to make it back. I've, I've gotten burned a couple of times on that where you have a loss and then you try and make it back immediately. And well, for the, for the guys that play poker, that's called going tilt, full tilt. 
Oh yeah, right. Okay. You, you, yeah, yeah. Because I used to play a lot of poker, right? I think I told you this one time I played a ten-hour tournament. It was like, a oh no, it was a fourteen-hour tournament with ten thousand people. It was on Poker Stars. Wow. Yeah, I've not, I, I played poker. I played into the. I was well into the money, and then I had to go to work. So <laughs> then I, I, I called my friend, and I was like, "Does your brother have school today?" She's like, "No." I'm like, "Take over my account. Just fold every hand. I'm already in the money. Just longer than I survive, the more money I make. Right? I'm going to work." That's funny. But. But yeah, that's like it's called full tilt. It's like when you've had a few bad losses in a row, where you played everything to your to your mind, you played everything correctly. You made no mistakes, and luck just kicks you in the ass. Right. Right. Sometimes you get too many of those in a row, and you just you just flip out. Suddenly, you start going emotional. Like all bets are off. You're not thinking anymore. It's just like, all right, I'm gonna if if you're gonna fuck me here, I'm gonna double down. Let's let's go. Right. So. Yeah. Like you I, do, I, that, like, do that in the markets, and that's a quick way to go bankrupt. <laughs> That's exactly it. The markets are like cards. You don't know what's next. They, they don't really care. There's no emotion in, into it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It never makes sense. Like everything's always messy. It's never perfect. Like just, yeah. it's, it's just a game of odds, really. You know, if the odds are in your favor, then you go for it. If, if they're not, then you don't. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy named Peter Brandt. Uh, no, I haven't actually. He's an older gentleman. I follow him on, um, on um, Twitter. Uh, so he's he's known as one of the best traders of all time like okay. not investors like traders of all time and he'll like post um he'll post snippets of what he's of his thoughts and, and whatever on twitter and just like a few weeks ago or like a week ago he posted he's like saying um most traders successful traders only need to win like 50 percent of the time or even less yeah right it's a, it's yeah. about managing it's just about managing the dollar value of your losses yeah right so it's yeah like that i i probably only make money on like roughly 50 percent of my trades yeah, but if you can do sixty percent, you're doing really good. A lot more than I lose, so yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. That's yeah. like even in that book I'm reading right now. I was reading about one guy who's you know he's just got a ton of money, and he says he only wins like maybe thirty to thirty-five to forty percent of the time. Yeah. But you know, you cut your losses quick, and then when you get in a trade that's winning, you let it go forever, right? That's 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 the way to the way to do it. I mean, no nobody really wins like eighty percent of the time. And the funny thing is, I've actually seen. I've actually seen posts from guys who who win like eighty to ninety percent of the time, but they're not profitable. Like they're losing money. Really? Overall. Yeah, because they're you know they'll make a hundred bucks a trade, but every time they have a loss, they'll lose three thousand dollars. <laughs> so like they'll, they'll make a hundred bucks a day for three weeks straight, and then they'll have a loss where they'll lose like three or five thousand dollars, and then they'll right. win everything. So like the the odds don't really matter. That's why that's why the the number one key is just knowing when to cut your loss and let your winner go. Yeah, that's the part I'm still learning. Like I'm learning, I've learned to cut my loss this past year, and ever since then, I've started making money in the futures. Yeah. But what my biggest problem now is I don't let the I don't let the winners ride. Right. I freak out every every time there's a, just a hint of a pullback. I'm like, shit, it's, it's turning around. Let's get out. Yeah. And all as soon as I get out, it just. I'll I'll go through that maybe in the next one when we start looking at like some day trading patterns. Yeah. It's just kind of like because like like once something starts going, you want to. Like you got you got to watch it and figure out like when it's going to turn. So like you know like a pullback isn't that it's a healthy thing for a stock to pull back and then go again. So there's there's like there's indicators you can use to watch for that and then know like you know as it goes up, okay, it's here now. I can move my risk up to here, and then if it's here, you know now I can move my risk up to there. And then once that level breaks, that's when I know that the pattern's going to come back down. So that's right, that's right. that's like one of the biggest things to learn for for letting the things go and you know. But still, I mean, like you know, my patience is terrible too. If I'm you know, if I see a really big fat green number on my screen, like, you know, I'm sitting there looking at it for too long. I'm like, ah, I kind of just want that money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's, it's a weird, 
it's a weird psychological thing because it's like because because you know there's realized and unrealized gains, right? Yeah. So when you see the money goes up, it's unrealized. It's it's just the it's just the number. But then you yeah. feel like as soon as it pulls back, you're like, I lost something. There's an yeah. emotional like I lost something. Yeah, but you have. It. You <laughs> but you have it. You never had it in the first place. Yeah, you never had it in the first place. You could turn around the next minute, then you you really didn't lose anything. Like, yeah. That's, that's, like that's, yeah, that's like one of the toughest things I deal with is like is like is I like you know everybody wants to sell at the exact top penny, right? And yeah. just make the most out of it because it it sucks if you see this big number and then it comes back <laughs> down and it kind of flutters away and then it's broken and you sell it and you're like, fuck, you know, if I had a sold. 10 minutes ago, I would have made like another $200, but like now I'm down here, you know, whatever. So that's one of the, the toughest things to try and get over is, is realizing that you're never going to hit the exact bottom and exact top. It's all about just getting like the main chunk of the move and then you're, you're in good shape. Yeah, I think, and it's the same thing for investing too. Like um, I do sell in and out of positions here and there. Mm -hmm. And um, it's almost never at the top or never at the bottom. But I'm like, after a while, I'm just like, I just want to take some risk off the table. Like I just, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That saved me so many times, like on, again, like I'll, I'll go through this in the next episode, but like, just like knowing like anytime, like a perfect, a perfect kind of setup for me is like, if I'm going long on a position, I'll, I'll, I'll buy in, let's say I'm risking 10 cents. And then if it goes up a certain amount, like, it, you know, if it, on that first pop, I always sell like a quarter of my position because I know if it pops up that amount, I take off a quarter, then if it comes down and it hits my stop, now I'm out for zero, like I'm out for break even. So that's, that's always like my first goal is get that first pop and take enough off that I know if it does come down and it goes, you know, past my entry point and hits my stop, then I'm out for zero. So I'm not losing money. And then after that, like once I know I'm not going to lose money on the position, it makes it a lot more comfortable for me to, for me to let the rest of it go. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I might, I might have to apply that. A million times. Like I've, I've had so many times where that's, that's saved me from taking like, you know, cause if that happens, you know, three, four days in a row, then I've just made, you know, zero, zero, you know, a couple like negative three, eight bucks, like, you know, basically zero all the way along. But then, you know, you get the one day where you win and then it's great as opposed to trying to hold that position for longer. And then it's like, okay, I lost 20 bucks, lost 20 bucks, lost 20, you know, that starts to eat at you. So it's, it's kind of like a, it's a nice little mental breather to be able to just get out of a trade for zero. And, you right. know, instead of, you know, instead of making 200 bucks on the trade, maybe you're only making 150 because you don't have as many shares, but in the long run, it's it's a lot easier on my my psychology. <laughs> so, are you finding it a little difficult to get into investing right now? Because it's kind um, of a, a shift in pace. Uh, not like hugely. I mean, the stuff that I like, I just I just put a whole bunch of money recently into like RBC and like you know some of the banks and Telus and stuff like that, just for like dividend payments. So, like that's the kind of stuff I'm going to hold for you know 20 years or whatever. So I don't really care about the the price of the stock to a certain degree, but um yeah as far as like i'm just really skeptical because like i mean like i said I, i've really only started investing like as of a couple months ago started trying to learn how to do it properly and uh you know like after seeing what happened in march like you know there's there's people that are talking about you know, there's gonna be another crash and you know other people are saying like no it's just gonna keep going and you know you're kind of we're kind of in this weird spot right now where like to me it's kind of weird that like you know the states has just put themselves in like way more debt we have like higher unemployment than we ever have in like recent history and the stock market is incredibly strong. Like it, it just like, I mean, I don't, I don't have as much knowledge as like the, the big time investor guys, but like just superficially to me, that just seems like it doesn't really make sense. So, I mean, anything that I'm investing in now, I'm not really taking like a full, full position. I'm kind of like 
putting a little bit on and then like, you know, I'll let it go for a year or whatever. And if everything's still solid and the world gets back to normal, I mean, I can always buy more, but that way, at least if we do have a big pullback, I still have enough cash in my account that I can buy on any pullback. Right. Yeah. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in one, one quarter cash right now. It was one third, but then, um, uh, Alibaba and, uh, this other company is looking at XPeng pulled back. So I bought them at a bit of a discount, but I was, I'm still going to be at least a quarter in cash until I yeah. feel like we're not going to have a double dip recession because I've been calling for that for, for a little while now. Yeah. I mean, it's anybody's guess really. It's just like anything like that. I always just try and put, you know, I don't, I don't like listening to people. So I'll just do my own research and if it makes sense to me, then I'll, I'll make a decision based on that. But I don't, I don't like, that's, that's the thing I noticed too, like with any kind of trade or any kind of investment or something like that. Like if I don't personally understand it, you know, if somebody, somebody tells me even on just a, a chart pattern setup, if somebody just says, oh yeah, when you see this, you just buy here and then sell here. It's like, okay, great. But like, if I don't, if I don't really understand why, then I'm going to get scared out by the little pullback and I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get scared out and I'm going to sell on the first pullback and then it's going to go another hundred percent. Right. So like, like for me personally, I always just, I, I just, I do so much better if I just make my own decisions and do my own research. Otherwise I don't have the kind of conviction I need to stay in trades. Yeah, I know that it's the same thing with investing too. Like, um, if you can't, if you're, if you're asking me about whether or not to, you, you want to invest in, xyz company then you shouldn't invest in xyz company you should know so much about them that you could convince me to invest yeah that's where you should, you know that's the, my mentality about that yeah for sure i agree with that 100 percent. right you, you guys tell me like they have strong market dominance they have great product or services their balance sheet is incredible you just give me something if you just say well i i want to buy it because other people have been talking about it that i just want to slap you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know I mean? like and if no, you do just, that, that, just hire your own financial advisor and give them your money and just let them do it right. for you, right? But if you're, right. Trying to, if you're trying to learn it yourself and you're doing it like that, that's that's not a good idea. No, yeah. I, like, I, I want people to come to me and be able to convince me to buy into something. Like, that's when I know you're, like, you you did the homework. Yeah. You're solid on it, right? Yeah. So, sure. like, and it's not it's not like saying, like, you can't be wrong or I can't be wrong. Just I, you should, People should just know why they're getting into something. Yeah. Right? Doesn't that work? And then so like if the stock moves against you, you can probably figure out why it moved against you. So again, you maybe lost some money, but you learned something that, that's important. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the thing. Like if, if you don't know, you know, if you don't know why you're in, then if, you know, if a stock pulls way back, then, you know, what's going to stop you from getting scared out and just selling? Because you have no idea why you're in in the first place. Right. right. So actually, I'll give you a perfect example. So the, the company that I bought into, Xpeng, they're like an EV company out of China. Yeah. And uh, they're, 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 they they topped out like at 70 something bucks. They dropped back like almost 50% recently. Just in, But in the last like few days, they dropped uh, like 14%. And it's like, if you're just looking at this company from the service level, like you don't know why they dropped 14%. Maybe you sell on the way down or you don't want to buy because you're like thinking maybe they're going to go even lower, right? Mm -hmm. But I know why they dropped 14%. They raised money. Mm -hmm. they, they, they issued another two, 200 something million shares. They raised like $2 billion. And I'm like, that's a good thing. That's a yeah. good thing. Now, now they have runway. Now they can expand their factories and, and whatever, right? So the shares dropping fourteen percent is a buying opportunity for me, right? You know, it's there's nothing though. to be fearful. It's funny though, because you say that's a good thing. Like, so for me on the day trading side of thing, because that's like <laughs> <laughs> people, like anybody that don't know, like that's called an offering. So like, if a company wants to raise money, like let's say you know, let's say they have a hundred million shares tradable. If they want to raise money, they'll sell another. You know, say they'll sell fifty million shares to the market, which crushes the stock price because it's you know it's it's simple it's, it's yeah it's supply and demand so like if, if a company 
you know, if they if there's only 100 million and then all of a sudden they're adding another 50 million, then you're you know, you're you're creating so much more supply that the price goes down. You know, it's no different than anything like, you know, think of like a, you know, a Honda Civic or something like that versus a Lamborghini. Like you know, there's a lot of Honda Civics, so they're a lot cheaper. You know, I know it's obviously a better car if it's a Lamborghini, but, you know, that's that's kind of the idea behind it. Um, so but like on on the low float stocks that I play. If you see an offering, then that's like everybody just <laughs> because they know the only reason that that type of company is trying to raise money is because they're about to go bankrupt. For right, the right, right. And they're garbage. So you want to short them, right? So that's, 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 it's just funny. That's the difference. But if it's a good company and it's reputable, like, you know, like, you know, something like Apple or Amazon or Tesla or whatever, if they have an offering, then it's, you know, it's a legitimate business decision and they're trying to keep the company growing. But that, that will still create a pullback to a certain degree. Yeah, I'm going to really touch on that on like the third episode when we go through investing because that this is the kind of stuff that I love. Like the technicals is just it's momentary fun. But for me to dig through the numbers and the nitty gritty of a company, that's what I find the most fun. And and like I and the things I've been investing in Tesla for eight years. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people just started hearing about them now in the last few years and they're seeing the stock price do this. But I'm like, listen, I've I've held that stock for eight years. I've I've experienced personally three fifty percent pullbacks and six thirty five percent pullbacks. Yeah. So when I see a twenty percent pullback, I'm just like, what else is new, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I might be just be scanning news like just briefly to see oh what caused it, but whatever. But like, and I think that's what's important about like really for investing, like to know what it is that you're buying into, so you're not shaken out of those you know thirty fifty percent moves. Yeah. Right. Sure. I knew there were good companies since the beginning, and. Um, and like it was concerning whenever it pulled back 50%, but then I would just read everything I can about it. I'm looking at their financials again. I'm looking at the quarterly reports. I'm looking at their cash flow. I'm looking at everything. If it still looks solid, then I'm like, there's no reason to be selling. It's just news, right? Yeah. And the thing is too, with like with Tesla on the day trading side of things, like a lot of a lot of guys with bigger bank accounts, like because Tesla, you know, like or Bitcoin, like like things like that, every now and again you'll get you'll get a, a big, you know, a big stock like that that has really high tradable shares like a really high float and all the guys that are day traders will trade that stock because it'll you know it has these crazy moves and they and they can treat it like a like a low float garbage company because it's reacting right. in, in that you know one week period or whatever right. so if you're seeing like you know these like even like moderna for example is a yeah. is a good one like that like you know a couple when they when they announced the vaccine you know it shot i can't remember what it was it was like it was like 90 bucks or something and it shot up to like 170 and then in the one day it went from 170 back down to like 100 so like that like that little pattern there is like a perfect short pattern on like a on on a stock that would usually be like 50 cents go up to two dollars and then crash back down to 50 cents like it's the same pattern but it's just because there's so many more eyes on it that it reacts the same so like those little those little things will happen but that's that at that point it's just it's just price action it's just so many people trading it it has nothing to do with the company itself yeah, I think that's an important thing that we didn't touch on before. Like, it's important that people look at whatever asset they want to trade and look at the trading volume. Yeah, because <laughs> that's that's incredibly important. Because you get you've gotten stuck in positions, right? Oh, yeah. it was a good trade, but you couldn't get out. Yeah, exactly. Because if nobody's trading it, there's nobody to sell your your shares to, and then it just keeps going down, and you just keep losing money. <laughs> yeah. So, like, even most recently, I had somebody recommend. Uh, me to look at this stock and it was like moving like this right and it was like oh yeah it's, you should day trade it because it's it's highly volatile but i'm looking at the volume like fourteen thousand share trade hands a day like yeah. if i bu- if i'm buying a thousand i could probably move that fucking market so it's oh, yeah. like you know so like if i get a position and it starts going up i can't get out i'm gonna ride that thing back down again 
Yeah, exactly. Right? Which is which is what you're saying about people who like to trade Tesla or like Bitcoin. The volume is ridiculous. You can you can exit at any point you want, and there's always somebody on the other side of it to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. So that's why it attracts those kind of guys and the guys with you know their really big accounts. They'll they'll day trade that because it is yeah. you know, like seven hundred dollar stock, and you know they got multi million dollar accounts, so they can take huge positions, make tons of money. Like you know on a on a low float stock, they might only be able to to trade ten thousand shares. Well. They can trade the same ten thousand shares on Tesla and make way more money, right? So yeah, that's why when when those stocks start to move like that, it attracts all those kind of day traders that have the really big accounts, and then they'll they'll just art you know they'll artificially move it for a certain period of time until it kind of it, until it kind of dies off and just starts doing its thing again. Right, right. So I think I think on that note we could almost end uh, today's episode because yeah. uh, we're getting into a lot of the day trading stuff. So I figured we save, <laughs> we save that into the next episode. Sure. Um, but I think if there's one thing you could, one of the most important recommendations you could give to somebody that's looking into day trading, what, what would it be? I would say rule number one is always before you enter any trade, know where you're going to cut your losses. Because if you don't know where you're going to cut your losses, then you've just opened yourself up to lose all of your money. So right. before you do anything, like don't ever just buy a stock because it's spiking because if you, you know, I've, I've been there, if you buy a stock and it's spiking and you just buy it, it could just snap back down 20%. And then, and then what do you do? Do you, you know, do you just panic and hold and then it goes down 50% or, you know, it's just, that's, that's the hands down. The number one rule is know exactly how much money you're going to sell and know where <laughs> you're going to sell and stick to that number. Because if you don't, that's just a slippery slope to going bankrupt. Right. And I think if I could, uh, if well, if I could just leave the viewers with any anything, it's just too. That's important. It's to identify whether or not you want to be a trader or an investor, because anything you figure out from this point on, you're just going to get confused if you don't know which one you want to be, mm -hmm. right? Because they because there are two completely different paths, and um, yeah. So I figure out which one you want to be, and hopefully the next two episodes we're going to help the viewers figure that out because you're going to be. The next episode, you're going to be touching on the day trading section, and then uh, the third episode, I'll be touching on the investing section. Right. So, so ideally, by by episode three, you'll be like, "Oh, I'm either one or the other." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can always experiment with both and see which one you like. Anyways. <laughs> I'm a I'm a focused guy. I I, uh, I I hope that they would try to do one or the other before experimenting with both. Or maybe they should experiment with both at the beginning just to see which. Because if you don't know what your personality is, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Play around with. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you gotta try a little bit of everything, and then just kind of just focus your attention where where your attention gets drawn. Cool, very cool. All right, man. All right, thanks, Galen. All right, it's been a pleasure. Yep. So we'll talk uh, episode two. Um, we're gonna be talking about day trading. So anybody that's interested in that, uh, tune in for that one.